He looks determined without being ruthless. Something heroic in his manner. There's a courage about him. Doesn't look like a killer. Comes across so calm. Acts like he has a dream. Full of passion. You don't trust me, huh? Well, you know why. I do. We're not supposed to trust anyone in our profession anyway. Peace, 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 and welcome to The Rematch, which is part of the BasketballNews.com podcast network. On The Rematch, you'll hear in-depth interviews with notable names from all walks of life. Because sometimes the media just doesn't get it right. The Rematch is that second opportunity to clarify, put things in proper context, correct fake news or misreported controversy. The media still exists as the most powerful entity on earth because they control the minds of the masses. I'm Atan Thomas, and the full truth is what we are aiming to catch. Many media stories omit details that would dilute their clickbait roar, and that's why there's a need for the rematch. On this episode, I sat down with former NBA player and current co-host of All the Smoke, Stephen Jackson. We discussed his relationship with George Floyd and how his murder by Officer Derek Chauvin set him on a new path of activism and using his voice and his platform in a way that he has never before. You'll hear his passion, his commitment, his frustration, and his dedication to fighting for justice for his friend. Powerful episode. Hope you enjoy. Stack, what's going on, sir? My brother E, what's going on, man? Good to see you, bro. Oh, great to see you too, man. Look, I appreciate you coming on um, basketballnews.com and Fly TV on the rematch. Uh, there's a lot I want to talk to you about. Um, nothing about basketball. I mean, we're talking about, you know, other stuff. And that's just, that's the the mutual respect we've always had for each other um, on that tip. So I, I, I just want to tell you before we even start, that I have a lot of respect for the way that you've been using your platform and the way that you've been using your voice. And I know how, you know, they were really demonizing you for a long time, especially after the brawl. And you've really taken that and converted everything. And you've become an activist. You you know, you're doing great with your with your podcast and everything like that. Um, you know, all the smoke. I think it's, it's fantastic You what you and Matt are doing. So I just want to start off by giving you your, your props and stuff like that for everything you're doing right now. And I appreciate, I appreciate you as well, man. I think what we all do, we all have the same goal. I think it's, it's many times where I, I watch your your IG and your show, and I and I get educated on a lot of things to, to help me on my show. So I think we all benefiting from each other. Like you said, the respect has been there way before all this. So right. we understand each other, and the respect is mutual. That's what's up. That's what's up. So I want to I wanna go back to uh, George Floyd. And, you know, one of the things, the media loves to demonize us. Um, after we are murdered by the police. And, you know, I want to start off by painting the correct picture of him. Because even now, you hear people talking about George Floyd and they're saying different things and bringing up different things of his past and everything like that, like they always do. They did it with Eric Garner, did it with Trayvon Martin, did it with everybody. But I want to talk about who George Floyd was as the person, not the hashtag, you know what I mean, but the person. So talk about the George Floyd that you knew. Uh, Georgie... The best way to sum it up, 
he's basically every black man that come up in the ghetto that's trying to make it out and make a better way for their family. You make mistakes, you try to figure it out. And the only way you can learn is from experience. Mm. I think the areas that he grew up in, where I know the area he grew up in, it took him under. Like it do a lot of, like it do a lot of, lot of young black men that don't have the resources to get out and, and, and to do better things. But at the same time, he was someone that only, he wanted to provide for everybody. He's, he's a black man. He wanted to protect and provide for his family and for his family to have better things. And in the midst of that, you know, he sold drugs, did some things he shouldn't have do, did some things he shouldn't have did and end up going to jail and rehabilitating himself. End up, after all that, going through all that in the ghetto, trying to make it out, he gets to Minnesota to a point where he changed his life. Mm -hmm. And sometimes is in order to make a complete change, you have to change your surroundings. You have to change exactly where you at. So he knew moving to Minnesota and getting away from that Houston third ward area was his only chance of actually changing his life for his daughter, Gianna. That's all we yeah. talked about. We Our daughters are the same age. So all he wanted to do was do better for Gianna. And um, he was just a guy that struggled a lot with trying to find his way. But his heart was always gold. Um, he took a lot of steps as, as far as religion to try to, try to bless his new journey. And uh, that's what hurt the family so much. When he got finally got to the point he, where he was changing his life and he was taking steps not just saying he was changed life, but taking steps to change his life. He mm -hmm. gets police, and that's what hurt the most. Talk about the work that he did. He did some work in the church and did some work with clothes. Um, I've seen you talk about how he would call you for clothes, not for money, but for clothes to assist in the programs that he was doing. Talk about that. I think I think what was big was we both had big religious backgrounds, um, and he always spoke about God because I know a lot. Most of my friends that go to jail. You know what I'm saying? When they go to jail, they come out with a deeper relationship, whether it's with Allah, whether mm -hmm. whether God and Allah is the same person, but whether it's Muslim, Baptist, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, I think when he came home and he wanted to change his life, he knew that the only way he could actually get there is by having a relationship with a higher power. It couldn't be his homeboys. It couldn't be relying on them. It couldn't be relying on nobody on the street. It had to be something that could take him away out the midst of what he was in every day. And um he dedicated himself to that. I mean, it was times where I seen him going, uh, getting clothes and uh, going dress up and preach. Like he was even preaching at, at some times. So mm -hmm. um, it was just in his heart. He, it was just in his heart. He was one of those dudes. He had a great heart. He wanted to do the right things. But a lot of times you don't get a chance to do the right things when you're struggling and trying to make a better life for other people. You got to figure it out and make, a make, make some mistakes. Now, how did y'all meet? It's a funny story. So I'm I'm from Port Arthur, Texas, which is like an hour and a half away, well, hour away. And rest in peace to uh, one of our friends, his name is Telly. He came down to Port Arthur because he was from Port Arthur, Houston. He told me, like, Steve, I got somebody that looked like you. Y'all might have the same daddy. And he, I'm like, yeah, right, bro. He's like, man, when I bring him down here, you're going to see. I'm on the court a couple of days later. He, he pull up with him. As soon as he walk on the court, the first thing we say to each other, God is my witness. Who your daddy? <laughs> <laughs> we look that much alike, bro. And from that day on, I think the fact that we look so much alike, we both were tall, we both did some a lot of the same things. He was a little older than me. I think that made us jail. And when I made it to the NBA, from everything that I did, he was living through me. When I when the season was over, I picked him up, and everywhere he was, he was proud to tell people that we were twins. That's my twin because he played sports. He wanted to make it to the to professionals on football and basketball. 
certain situations of, you know, he didn't get the same opportunities I got. So I lived through him. So, but the fact of us living together, I mean, looking at like the fact that everywhere I went, he wanted to be my protector because he actually felt like he was my twin. I think our relationship just gelled from that day. And uh, we actually, we actually asked each other soon as we saw each other, who is your daddy? Cause we looked that much alike. And this was before you got to the lease. So this is when you was in high school. Yeah, I was 16. I met him, I'm, wow. I was 16 at the time. Wow. Wow, and you know his family, so you know his mother, and you know his baby's mother. Like y'all, you you know his family, right? But, but yeah, like his mom. I met his mom a couple times when he was living because I used to always go to Houston to his part of Houston and hang out with him in Houston in the summertime. I was with him all the time, so I knew who him, his sister, and his cousin Wu. But I knew his daughter Gigi because that's all we talked about. And every time I was with Houston, he made sure that I seen her. Mm. I knew who she was. And uh, I really didn't know the family too well because okay. I was in the streets. He, we was uh, every time I seen them, we was in the streets hanging out. I seen his mom probably because of picking him up, and I seen his cousin Wu is because he was out in the neighborhood sometimes, and his sister was in the street. So I just knew the people was in the street. His brothers and them, I've never seen them. Mm. I've never seen them on the block. I never rode with them. I ne I've never seen none of them. Uh, all his friends that I knew were in the streets where we were at the time. Mm. Mm. And and with with him. You know, talk about the the um, clothes. What he what he actually did with the clothes. Like, what was his program? Yeah. Well, the first time he called, he first time he called me, he was like, "Bro, I know I'll be bothering you a lot. I know I'll be blowing your phone up, but I don't need no money this time. I actually got some because he uh, went took a CDL class to get a CDL license. So he wanted to dress up the class, and uh, when he passed, he wanted to dress up and show him that he was gonna be professional. So he kept calling like, "Bro, okay, well, look, not just that. I got a job interview." You know, I, I want to go to this church and get these guys. Like every time, the last three, four times we spoke, e, it was about job interviews. It was about a CDL license, and it was about clothes for him and another guy for job interviews. No, That's, he never called about money because we had been through that stage. Right, and he be calling me for money a lot of times. You know, and a lot of times I came, I came through for him, even when he was in jail. But um, to, the, to he got to the point now where the conversations we were having, it was more of me giving him game and not just giving him what he want. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, bro, right. get here, you gotta do this. You gotta make a change. Like, I'm willing to help you do this. It ain't gonna be money all I can't be keep sending you money when I know what you're doing with it. The, mm -hmm. the conversation. So it got to the point where he understood me and wasn't just listening to me. Mm. You know, he understood me. And uh, I think that's why, I, that's why I was so hurt too, because we had finally got to the point where he was taking my advice on how to go in the right direction. And he's seen everything that I've been through that he know that he know that in order for us to continue to build and ask for, for him to get to where he needs to go in his life, he has to he has to come type of way, listen to me and take my advice. And I think he was starting to do that. So talk to me about where you were, like set the scene for me of when you got the call and the information about what happened to him. Uh, where where were you? Who broke it to you? Um, and what was your immediate reaction? I was right here on the same couch I'm sitting on. Um, it's, it was probably like 10, 9, 10.30 in the morning. I'm on the couch sleeping with my daughter. My daughter's room's upstairs, but she don't like to sleep in her room because my room is downstairs. So she sleeps on the couch and watch TV so she can be close to me. Okay. And and some some something made me get up and come get on the couch with her. So I was just laying on the couch with her that morning. And me and my girlfriend's mom talk about police brutality and all the nonsense that's done to black people all the time. Mm. And she sends me videos all the time. So I get my phone is ringing 
or vibrate, excuse me, and I look and I see the video from her, but I don't even correlate that this is my brother. Her mom is from, my girl's from Minnesota, her family. Mm -hmm. So I'm not even thinking about Georgie when she sent me the video. I look at it, not even pitching Georgie. I'm like, oh man, they killed another brother. As I put the phone down, my phone just vibrates. And I pick up the phone and I look at the phone from a message from my brother, my, my friend Mike D. And it says, you see what they did your twin in Minnesota. Mm. Huh? And I went back to the video from my from my girlfriend's mother. And I see the video and I slowly lock in and see that's him on the ground. And I lose, I I I, I lose it. Eh? I get the throwing stuff. I, I jumped up and scared my daughter screaming. I, I, I was hurt, bro. I was actually hurt because I saw myself down and this is somebody who I consider my twin getting murdered by the police for the world to see. I wouldn't, I never thought that I would see that mm. with my own eyes. Somebody that I, that I love that I consider me. I've never dealt with nothing like that in my right. life. Right. You know what I mean? So to see that it, it, it knocked the wind out of me, honestly, it knocked the wind out of me and I, and I just cried, man, until I was able to get a hold of myself. And, you know, I'm looking at the, the, the video and, you know, everybody saw the video. And I'm looking at just the 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 evil of him, you know, the officer Derek Chauvin uh, kneeling on his neck, and the way that he put his hand in his pocket, and then afterwards they say, well, the reason why he was putting his hand in his pocket is so he can apply more pressure to his neck, and the facial expression that he had, like it was just nothing. I mean, I looked at it, and I, you know, and I'm looking at it with my kids, and I'm. I'm I'm breaking down, you know what I mean? Because it's just so it's so, you know, we, we talk about Black Lives Matter, and it's that showed us that to that officer and all those officers around him, our lives didn't matter at all. And that you don't even treat an animal like that. I mean, if everybody saw a dog being murdered like that, they would go crazy. They would have go crazy, right? Absolutely crazy. And that's the part where that was so tough to me because it's like, you know, you think that we have some kind of uh, progress and then you see something like that and it just knocks us all the way back as far as I'm feeling. I'm like, wow, so what do we do now? And you went into work mode after that. Like that happened. You, you had your moment of grieving. You had your moment of being upset. Like you said, you were throwing things upset. And then right after that, you went into work mode. Talk about that switch and and what you went into actually doing right after that you never know what god have for you in your life um i was real upset not making all-star games in my career you know being a judge for the brawl for having my teammates back and and it messed up my career all my accolades i should have gotten i know i should have been all-star at least two or three times mm -hmm. god works in mysterious ways what i'm doing now i want to be known for that i don't even want to be known for basketball at all. I want to be known for what I'm doing now. And like I said, you never know what God has for you. Me going to Minnesota, like you spoke earlier, I wanted to go down there so they wouldn't demean my brother's name. That's like you said, that's the first thing they do when they murder one of us and try to make it look valid. They uh, they demean our character. I want to go down there to let the world know who he was. Nine out of ten times when this happened, none of these people that get killed, get killed by the police have a celebrity to speak up for them. That's one thing what messed up Minnesota and the world. Mm -hmm. Nobody expected Stephen Jackson to be considered George Floyd twin. And nobody expects Stephen Jackson to put everything he had on the line for him and for fight for justice for him. You know, while, while I was uh, in Minnesota I think, going on there speaking for my brother, that thing, the thing that blew my mind was 
you know, not only did they they know I, he had a celebrity to speak up for him, but at the time I spoke up for him, my podcast was one of the biggest podcasts in the world. Mm-hmm. All over ESPN, I was doing all the shows, so it, the time was better, and nobody expected him to have somebody to speak up for him. But when I went down there, after I'm speaking up for him, see, to see the city of Minnesota, how they got behind me and supported me, lets me know that this has been going on for a long time. Mm-hmm. I walked to the corner. His name is Hardell Sherrell. His mama standing on the corner, hard down crying with a sign trying to get justice for her son. Mm. Just by herself. She has no Stephen Jackson to speak up for her, so we stopped. I had all kind of cameras following me at the time. Mm-hmm. I stopped. I put I put the camera and the mics in front of her. She tell the whole story. I ended up being the voice for her. Mm-hmm. So I, I inherited being the voice for so many people that's been brutalized by police or, or, or by racism and never got justice. And the fact that it was a celebrity basketball player that everybody knew, that a lot of people respected and loved. All 18 countries and 50 states got behind me. The biggest, the biggest um, protest all at one time ever in the history of, of protests. So yeah. the, the fact that that happened, I just dropped on my knees because I never know God will make my life that important. Mm-hmm. This is way more important than basketball to me because I'm changing lives. And it sparked me to want to go to all 50 states and to let people know in the areas we come from that we care about them, that we hear them, that we have that we have money to give y'all resources and help y'all to try to get to a better life. And um, it's just God, like I said, God, you never know what God had for you. It was meant for me to be in this position. It was meant for me to, to have a domino effect of helping people after going out there and stand up for my brother, and I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change it. I would rather be known for what I'm doing now than anything. You know, it's interesting because um, I'm I'm thinking about it, and I've I've been you know saying this repeatedly that this George Floyd case was the most that I've ever seen white people protesting in the streets after the death of a black man in my lifetime. You know, I have never seen anything like that before, and a lot of that goes back to you and to you and the work that you've done and the way that you put it on the map and the way that you you know and, and it takes an, an a celebrity to bring it to the mainstream mm-hmm. and i'm looking at the work that you're doing i'm looking at some protests and it's all white people yeah. like ain't no black people in the, in the camera you know what i mean just like a whole sea of white people protested and i've never seen that and talk about that aspect of the unity that you saw across the country of people saying no this is this is not right you know what i mean and we need to do something about this yeah you you know me i'm blacker than black mm-hmm. you know and me proud super proud black i'm talking about times 20. Mm-hmm. same time how i was raised i tell people all the time the same park that i met george floyd at a jewish kid drove down there when i was 16 and gave me an opportunity to play aau basketball something i never heard of mm-hmm. so if I, he would have never had the guts to pull up in the ghetto and ask, give me an opportunity i would never been you would never heard of me and i say that to say i've always loved everybody respected everybody knew how to treat people regardless of what they look like i grew up with i grew up with mexicans and some Mexicans in my life has shown me more love and had my back more than some of my own people. My the Jewish kid, I, I, he showed me more love and gave me an opportunity to make it to the NBA. Nobody in my hometown never even thought about giving me an opportunity like that when they had the resources to take me certain places. So when I see all these people from other races come and stand behind me, mm-hmm. perfect, I'm going to give you a perfect example. I've never said this. When I was in Minnesota and I pulled out and I was driving while, I was march, while they was marching and tearing up stuff, a couple of Ethiopian kids seen me when I got out the car and immediately started tearing, said my name 
and said George Floyd and immediately start tearing stuff up. Oh, wow. So I'm saying that to say the, 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 I've always knew how to love everybody. And I've told somebody from every race that I love them and mean it. Mm -hmm. So when I see people from every race out there support me, I think it's only right because that's, that's the energy I've always given off my whole life. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And, and to, they got, it's to the point now where you can't say police brutality or brutality against black people is not real. Everyone has seen it. Mm -hmm at the highest form with George Floyd on TV. And you've even seen it after that with Ahmaud Arbery. Mm -hmm. and, and we've seen it again. They still killing us. Yesterday, so they, they killed another black man. So they still killing us. Right. But it, it was refreshing to me to see that people are finally starting to understand our plight and, and, and getting rid of the black people just complaining, da da da. They're starting to do their history. They're starting to understand how this, how this place was created. They're starting to understand that what the Constitution was wrote Everybody that wrote the Constitution had slaves mm -hmm. right outside. So yeah. and so nothing was built for us for the betterment of us. And people are starting to understand that. They're just not listening to the songs and the hymns and, the, and seeing the black fist. They're doing their homework. Right. And how this place was created, how black people was brought over. How, they understand the whole thing now. And by understanding our plight, they're willing to come from behind the doors, behind the doors saying they support black people. No, we're coming out and standing on the side of you now. Right. We're holding everybody accountable. And I think that's what it is. That's why we're making change now, because you can't just say you support black people from a text message or a DM or a phone call. You have to get out here and stand with us to show solidarity. That's true. That's true. I want to ask you three questions that my daughter, my daughter Imani, she's 12 uh -huh. years old. And she, their questions, I told her that I was going to interview you and she's familiar with the case and we've been watching it and reading up on it. She, and she asked questions. She's a question asker. And I love that about her. So I want to ask her three questions and these are straight from Imani. So the first question was, um, she asked me if, you know, she saw that this all started over a suspected counterfeit $20 bill. And she asked me and she said, well, what if you're, you know, getting change from somebody or you pay for something and somebody gives you a fake bill? And what if you go to the store and you just hand it to them? She's like, do you ever like look up at the at the bill and see if it's, you know, so what if you were in that situation that like that? And she wanted me to ask you that same question. Have you ever thought about that? Because that's something where, you know, with, with our kids, we think about, oh, no. Or what about our children when we hear that? Our children think about what about us if we're in that situation? Do you know what I mean? And have you had any type of um, conversations like that with your kids or any thought about, about that at all? Well, first of all, salute the queen of money. Salute to your queen. Uh, I think what was crazy was when I, the, when I was getting ready to go to Minnesota, after everything happened with my daughter that month, she was like, Dad, I don't want to go home today. I'm like, why? It's because I feel like you need me. I saw what happened to your friend. Mm. So that and that that made me lose it even more. That made me even more angry. But come to find out, the twenty dollars wasn't even fake. So so let me tell you this. So when I when when I got to when I got to uh, Minnesota, we actually went to the store. You know, we went to the area where it happened, the street, and I stayed there for for weeks. You know, I, I, I stayed actually in Minnesota almost a month and a half, and I talked to so many people, and we got in front of the store owner, mm -hmm. and it was people in that store. They said the $20 wasn't even fake. That's how it started. It started for assuming it was a fake 20. So all this stuff, all this stuff has to come out in the trial. The, the $20 wasn't even fake. You assume that by looking at this man and assume that he was coming in there with a 20, with a, with a fake $20 bill. Now, I've seen with my own eyes mm -hmm. banks 
pass a twenty dollar bill that's had that was fake. In a in a stack full of twenties, the bank got slipped up and got got, and mm -hmm. they had a fake twenty. So yeah. it happens. Right. It, it, it happens, and stores have given away fake money and change, and don't even know they're giving away fake money. Right. And, but at that situation, that situation, I know my brother. He was working, and I know he didn't have no fake twenty dollar bill. I know the whole situation was twisted. The officer, uh, Shevin, who needed, they had a they had a previous uh, disagreement at a club because all the people at the club that I know of, from what I was told when I was in Minnesota, the people at the club had a relationship with my brother because it's always that cool bounce at the club that let mm. guys smoke, that let them do things that they ain't supposed to do in the club, mm. and Shevin didn't like that. Mm. And it's and I also heard some other things about. Um, them, uh, those cops having a sex ring and yep. my brother getting the whiff of it and they thought he was going to blow the whistle on. Mm -hmm. I read that. You know what I'm saying? But my, but my but my brother wasn't that type to snitch on nobody. It's not in his DNA. But, mm -hmm. but the way the whole thing played out and how I see it, I can see something happen like that. The way he killed my brother, he felt like my brother was going to do something to, to affect him in some type of way. And I think that's why all that happened. To so me, that was, person, that's why I think that happened. Looked like more like an execution there, yeah. right? And they just used the twenty dollar bill as an excuse and the resisting arrest as an excuse, but more of a calculated execution. Um, EMS showing up with guns, right? Right. That's we never seen that. All the times yeah. I've seen EMS in my neighborhood, people get shot and beat up. I've never seen EMS with guns. Right. That was the first time seeing that as well. Right. Right. So my um, second, the second question that Imani wanted me to ask you. Um, and she asked me this as well. She said, if the person uh, wasn't there to record Officer Derek Chauvin murdering uh, George Floyd and all the police holding him down and watching and everything like that, do you feel that we would have ever heard of this case? Nope, because I, I wouldn't have never seen it. I wouldn't have never stepped out there. The outrage wouldn't have been, the world's outrage wouldn't have been the same if the world couldn't see it. It was all on TV all day. If we didn't record it, it would have been just like the millions of other murders that we don't hear about now today. Right. It would have been the same thing. Right. I agree. And that's, I wish I could tell my daughter, no, you know what I mean? But I had to be honest with her. I was like, no, nothing, you know, and that's, that's the, that's tough for us. So the, the last question my daughter asked was, um, she saw you with uh, George Floyd's daughter on your shoulders. And it was just a powerful image, uh, the image seen around the world. And she wanted me to ask you, how is his daughter doing now? Thank that's a great that's a great question. She was just here two days ago. We threw her a big birthday party. She just had a birthday party here. Oh, that's great. In Atlanta. Um, yeah, I, I I had been planning this party and um some kind of way little baby heard out what I was doing for her and came and offered to pay for the party. Um, which was cool on his behalf. You know, he didn't have to oh, do that's it. That's what's up. We didn't have to do it, you know what I'm saying? I got money. We were straight, you know what I'm saying? But the fact right. that he do it, you know, just to make her birthday, you know, um, a success i appreciate it for that but she had it she's doing great man i think we're doing a great job of keeping her lifted keeping her spirits high she's became real close with my brother will's uh guard granddaughter and my daughter sky and i think the fact that she she's getting so much love from not just us but from people all around the world support and uh i'm just continuing to do what i said i was going to do you know i said i was going to be my brother's keeper and take care of his daughter make sure that her best days her next days are our best days and you know i had uh, a lot of my friends Kyrie Irving, bought him a house Mm. Uh, Lil Wayne's manager bought him a uh, Mercedes Benz. Barbara Streisand gave him uh, stock in Disney. So I think God has definitely blessed her. And right now she's she's doing the best she's ever done. She's happy. We just wait for all this trial and stuff to get out the way where she don't have to keep reliving this situation. Right. 
about, you know, living our life and being happy. So you talked about some of the rappers and entertainers that you've connected with. Who are some of the activists that you that you've connected with? And I've seen speaking. I saw Tamika Mallory speaking with you. Yeah. Uh, I think I saw Benjamin Crump. Uh, who are some of the activists that you that you've connected with? Uh, I've, I've connected with Tamika Mallory. She's a sweetheart. Uh, mm -hmm. One of the strongest women I've ever been around. Uh, me and Ben Crump don't see eye to eye. We never. Okay. Have. Okay. Yeah, we don't. We, we we don't see eye to eye. Now, why is that? Why is that? But, well, because I think everything he 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 does. It's, it's for a personal game. It's not for. Mm. I think if you look at a lot of these cases, he don't win. He get money, but he never, he never, he never concerns himself with winning. With winning. Mm. Um, if you look at all these cases, he get the money, but how many has he won? And, and why, but why? But why is that? Because I'm, I'm actually going to interview him, and I want to ask him that specific question. I want to ask him why is it so hard to get a conviction? Why is it so hard to get a police officer convicted? Well, me personally, I think a lot of times if you take the money before the trial, that lets you know. You know, if, if you take $12 million before the actual trial, it's basically like they paid you off already. So whether what, regardless, regardless of the outcome of the trial, we, they feel like they took care of you. So, but, is it, but is it the civil case or in the criminal case, which are two different cases? Two different I'm, not, I'm not no lawyer expert, so I don't. Yeah, OK, all right. I don't think. I, <laughs> you're right. It's two different. Right. Yeah. Civil, it, it, it's two different things. But at the yeah. same time, as a lawyer, mm -hmm. once you feel like that you got the family paid, I I. I I, I say this in one of my songs. Civil suits help pay the pain away, mm. and that's okay. the whole thing. That's the whole thing to me. I don't. I don't think they go into it with the intention to actually get justice. I think they go into it with the intention to get money for the family, try to put a bandaid on they hurt, and they benefited benefited from it as well. Mm. See, it's four lawyers that get all these type of cases, and they share them and they work together. Who are the four lawyers? Uh, it's Chris and Justin. Uh, okay. I don't know the name. It's, it's Ben. Benjamin Crow. It's, it's another lady, and it's Lee Merritt. Lee Merritt, right? Lee Merritt. Go for it. They they get all these type of cases, right? Right, right. So, so I just I just don't see it as, and, and I'm just talking about Ben. Mm -hmm. I don't Ben being that type of guy where he's genuinely in it for the family. Mm. He's genuinely in it from the heart. It's all beneficial, and I know Ben want to be in politics and all types. I see me. First, soon as this, this is how I feel about it. When you when you represent the family and you taking them all to Washington to speak and all this stuff, that that has nothing to do with the with the betterment of that family. That's mm -hmm. more of you building a case. You looking a certain way. You trying to use them and 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 the state to to try to deter them to do certain stuff. It, to me, that's not genuine. To me, that's not genuine. Yeah, he has a job to do, and I understand that. But to me, mm -hmm. that's not genuine because you're putting people in in these positions to do interviews that never done interviews. You right. have to read off a piece of paper where it doesn't look genuine. Right. You know what I'm saying? So you know if it looks if it looks scripted on TV, then just imagine how it looks to those people that you're actually talking to. Yeah, that's a good that's a good point. I mean, I think one of the things and one of the things I'm going to do with, you know, I do I've connected with a lot of uh, family members of victims of police brutality since my We Matter book. And I worked with Emerald Garner, who is Eric Garner's daughter and um, Tiffany Crutcher who was Terrence Crutcher's uh, sister and, you know, the such. And I've seen Ben Crump at all of this stuff with with them. And I'm just thinking about it. You know, if he does get them some a settlement, you know, that helps them in that way. I, I just I just wonder why none of the police officers have been convicted. You know, it'd be great to get both. Right. But one without the other. I mean, I, and I hear what you're saying as it are, are they being exploited or are they, you know, actually being helped? 
and I ask them the question and they from their perspective they're like well that money helps because yeah every time we we have court case court fees lawyer fees all of those things and a lot of people don't know that when you see uh family members of the victims and stuff like that and they're they're going through the case those are all billable hours like they they you know what I mean they get a bill after all of that and so a lot of the settlement that they get goes to legal fees and the police officer doesn't even get convicted and that's part of the 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 issue and the problem because they should be able to get both then you have to ask why are all these cities paying people off but not convicting the police officers you know what and 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 you know uh i i look at that you know those silver suits i look at it like this too the family lost somebody god know how to make a way when it ain't a way right i'm saying i don't i don't really give too much credit to the lawyers okay i, I don't I, that's god making a way from a family that's that's been through a lot okay you know what I'm saying that's how i look at it um the, the money does help these people and and i think they, they deserve way more than that but money fight back you know what i mean of course, so, of course me along like you say along with the money i think that goes hand in hand because the family can have all the money in the world but knowing that they didn't get justice but of somebody that was brutally murdered for the world to see that has to bother them as well i agree i agree now let me ask you one more question i'll let you know go i know we stayed a little bit longer than i that i said we were going to I um, talk to you anyway, so we good. Okay, all right, good. I mean, because it, th this is great stuff. And a lot of times when you're on different programs, um, you're not on long enough to really be able to break it all the way down. And they're great interviews, you know, that I've, I've seen you on, a, but it's not, you know, it, it's like little quick, you know, I mean, segments. And I, I, I want you to be able to discuss what does, what does justice look like for George Floyd to you? um you know i can tell you what i think it should look like but i don't know what justice looks like because i've never seen it okay good so good point and give you a good answer but what i hope justice would look like is the same way that if i went down the street and killed another black man over nonsense and they give me 30 40 years or maybe even life that should be the same consequences for a cop murdering a black man it should be you know, and 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 that's what I think justice is. Isn't, I don't think justice is an eye for an eye. I don't want that karma on my life. Mm -hmm. I don't go outside and start killing white people. Mm -hmm. I'm saying that's not justice to me. Mm -hmm. That's not justice to me. Justice is hanging their ass just like they used to hang us mm -hmm. when we do something wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, putting them in jail, giving them life the same way they would give us life. You know, perfect example when they when they so so say arrested Chauvin. Why come we didn't see? How come we didn't see no public arrest? Right. Let me get behind on child support payments. Let me not pay some tickets. We gotta walk the walk of shame. They finna mm -hmm. kick my door in. He. They finna right. door in front of my kids and drag me out of here. Mm -hmm. um, you know, to dragging me out of here over over a, a, a child support payment. Mm -hmm. We don't see no public arrest when when when, when police when police kill us and stuff like that. So I think, as a whole, all that stuff needs to be equal that's equality that's justice treating them just like y'all treat us and i know we got a long way to get to that because the same system that we asked them to treat them the same way wasn't built to benefit us it right. was treat us the same way that that they treat us right They're built the same way so don't to answer your question the only way i can see the only way i can see justice is if these cops start going to jail for life and they start hanging them the same way they hang us for little crimes tickets and stuff like that even drugs weed mm -hmm. they hang us for weed mm -hmm. you know and and most of these cops a lot of times like this they get a pat on the back 
and, a, and like a $5,000 fine. But at the end of the day, what we don't know is they get money under the table. Right. Funny, funny, funny police unions. We don't know this, but we have a black police union, an all black police union. Mm -hmm. How come we don't never see them when these white cops, when these white cops are murdering us? Right. And, and I've done work with them and I, and I, I think they're, 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 they're great, but their voices aren't loud enough. Exactly. And their voices are, you know, reverberating around the country loud enough. And I think you brought up a great point that, yes, you need to be able the same penalty that we will get if we kill somebody, then they need to get if they kill somebody. The same <laughs> way the penalty we need to get if we beat somebody to a bloody pulp in the middle of the street, they need to get if they beat somebody to the blood. But, but right now it's like it's they, they have a license to kill. to kill, a license to do whatever they want to do. And that's the problem. I mean, and, and it's like, you know, if. It's, it's say for instance, everything needs rules and regulations. We both have children, right? So if I told my children, you could do whatever you want to do and there will be no punishment ever, what do I think is going to happen? They're going to do whatever they want to do, whatever they want, because they know they're not going to get in trouble for it. And that's kind of the way that police are right now. They know that they won't, even the fines, even the settlements that we were talking about before, that's not coming out of their pocket. Right. That should come out of their pension. Yeah. They should have to pay the family member uh, out of out of their pension. You know, they should have to give up their entire pension. There goes to the family member of the of the victim that they killed. Right. Right. Something where they feel it. But right now it's like they could do whatever they want to do. And there's no penalty. And they protect it and they protect them. But you you said this earlier. Chauvin's face. Mm -hmm. That showed a sense of security. I'm not worried. I know right. I'll be here. I'm going to have money if I get fired. The, the, the boys, the, the police uh, force is going to back me. They're going to protect me. They're going to send me where I need to be so my family won't get harmed. His whole face said that said all that in a nutshell. Right, right. You're right. Now, I want to ask you this, though. And, you know, you you now have this passion um, for using your voice. Like you, like you found your voice. And it's a beautiful thing when the light bulb goes off. You're like, wow, I have this power just because I played ball. And all these people will, I can, can be affected by my voice and I can speak for people who can't speak for themselves because nobody will listen to them. Right. And so now you have a different feeling when you see other athletes not using their voice. And it's, it's, a, it's a balance because I shared that same feeling before. And you don't want to attack them, but you're frustrated because, man, you could be doing so much with your voice. You have so much power. And so I saw the comments that you made about James Harden and people have to understand, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. That wasn't a personal thing. Like you have a problem with James Harden or a beef with James Harden. It was that James Harden, you wanted him to understand there's so much that you can be doing right now, but you're focused on this little silly stuff that don't mean nothing. And I don't want to put words in your mouth, but break that down for me. You, you, you're a hundred percent right. Um, I admire James. I'm a basketball player. So the things James does on a basketball court, I'm a fan. Um, before I got out the league, James was like a little brother. Like I said before, I used to let him with my watches and stuff like that. So it didn't come from a place of hate. I wasn't trying to demean him or anything like that. But like you said, the space I'm in now, a lot of people don't know. Steve Silas is my first cousin. Mm. So everybody knows he should have been had an opportunity at a head coaching job years ago. He's been on so many teams, the Warriors, all, so many organizations where he should have been had a head coaching job. And I look at it now to the point where me being a fan of James Harden, I want to see him win and get to the next level. And you get to the point where 
Okay, the coach you praise, you praise Dan Tony. You praise him. You think he can't do no wrong. He hasn't held you accountable or hasn't helped you at all in your career. He yeah. just lets you go out there and do what you want. Right. Where you're comfortable with not being held accountable. Now, when you get to when you get a new coach, when you get a new young blood, a young black coach, and you get two young stars, two young studs that you never had, Demarcus Cousins and John Wall, instead of doing what's right by the by a black coach who had who we all know they they don't get the opportunity that they should, knowing that you have an opportunity to make him look good and also build with two young stars in the organization that's had your back uh-huh. since you came into the league. Uh-huh. You would rather leave this young black coach instead of making him look good and follow one D'Antoni, who's the worst defensive coach in NBA history. Yes, agreed. That never won anything. That was given a head. That was given a, um, a coach of the year award. And he, he quit was, on the Knicks. He quit on the Knicks. Don't leave that part out too. <laughs> Nobody likes him. Right. And then you want to follow. A, 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 and then you're trying to get to a GM. Who just ruined your basically your whole career in Houston? Yeah, yeah. But you want to follow these two guys and not make this black coach. So my whole thing was, James, look at the picture. You just turned down the most money you ever make in your life because you want to go play with somebody that's not holding you accountable. Mm. That looks bad on our part. That looks right. bad as a black man because this black coach is sitting here with an opportunity to to. To, to, to coach the NBA team and, and, and to make a name for himself as a black a black coach. You know how we'd be fighting for that. And you have an opportunity to make him look good. And the first thing you do is chase another a white coach. That's embarrassing. That's embarrassing to us as players. Me, I always been outspoken about certain stuff, even with Popovich when I played Popovich. When he did certain shit to certain players that I didn't agree with, I, I always spoke on. Because right. I've always been, Tim called me the ultimate team player. Because I've always been a team player. I care about the teammates. Even if I got to go against the coaches, I will. Uh-huh. So for him to not automatically, especially everything we're going through right now, we're fighting for equality and marching and all this stuff, for him to blatantly disrespect the black coach, uh-huh. that killed me. It killed me, and I felt like I had to say something. You know what? It resonated to him. His ass went back to Houston. Uh-huh. He heard it. It, he heard it, and and, uh-huh. and and I'll say this too, because I'm glad you asked me that question. It was never to demean James. Uh-huh. I don't, I, I, I don't never demean people to gain something. You never benefit from that. That always backfires on you when you try to demean somebody to make yourself look better. Uh-huh. I've never, I've never been that person, but I've always been a realist, and I see things different. And the main reason why they give black coaches these BS jobs when they first come in because stars don't want to play for them. Uh-huh. And that was a perfect example, and I had to address that to him. And I'm glad it opened his eyes because, like I said, a lot of people don't know Steve Silas, my cousin. But in order for us to kill this stigma of why we can't, black coaches can't get jobs, it, those star players, y'all got to start going to bat for them. You're right. And You're right. that situation was one that, that that would help us, and I had to speak on it. It was no uh, disrespect to James. You know, he, he he can spend his money and hang with people and do any whatever he wants, you know, with the rappers and stuff like that. But at this time, with all we got going on, with the way the city been behind you, with the way with the way that um, like I said, with, with fight for equality and all this stuff, there's no way at a time like this you cannot stand up for a black coach. What he did was making it look bad, and even, even everybody that didn't know the actual situation, he 
by him not want to be in Houston, they automatically thinking it's because of the coach. I got you. I got you. Now that's a good point. Now I'm glad you broke that down like that, though. That was you made a lot of great points. So let me just last question for you. Uh, what's next for all the smoke? Tell me what's next. I mean, I I already know y'all got some amazing stuff coming up. So what's 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 next for y'all? Well, we got we got to get you on, bro. Because you know, all, all good. I, the the biggest thing for our show e is that not only do we want to show, we want to give our brothers the, our flowers. You know, from 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 everything we doing well, we don't salute each other enough. But also, we we, we our platform is to show all the basketball players like us how after basketball is supposed to look. Mm. You know what I mean? Right. We 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 take pride in giving everybody their flowers because a lot of times, you know, even when like we have AI and stuff like this on our show, AI don't get the just the justice and the props he deserves. Mm -hmm. You know, for for changing the culture and the, and the basketball player and the human being is. So we had to give him that. So I think with us being able to control our own narrative now, E, mm -hmm. us being able to give people the real stories, I think it's imperative that we continue to give each other as far as athletes our flowers because people have looked at us so many ways on the outside looking in we spoil we don't deserve this how did he get this all this stuff it's good for uh, it's good for the world to see guys like you guys like d miles and, and q rich mm -hmm. what we're doing after basketball you know and, and 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 our show is that our show is that it's about giving athletes and our brothers our flowers while we still alive and um what's next coming for our show man we got skits coming okay we got skits coming we got uh we got so many new sponsors i think uh we just dropped one of our best episodes with jim gray the honorable jim gray yep yep stories about muhammad ali's first mm -hmm. and his last interview that's gonna be a good show paul george i think our paul george episode is gonna be big because you're gonna see the comfort in paul george mm -hmm. and i think he knew when we was asking him all those tough questions that he was finna sign that 250. so he wasn't worried <laughs> he, <laughs> he wasn't worried about it <laughs> ああ、ああ、ああ、ああ、ああ、ああ、ああ、ああ、ああ、ああ、ああ、ああ、ああ、ああ、ああ、ああ、ああ、ああ、ああ、ああ、ああ、ああ、ああ、ああ、ああ、
share with other athletes, like share with you in a way that other reporters can't get them kind of interviews. And they mad. They mad at y'all. I see so many, so many people talk bad about y'all. And these are other reporters. I'm like, wow, they just hating. That's all they're doing is hating because they can't get that kind of an interview. They can't get the content we get because of the yeah. a lot of things, like you said, we've learned a lot of stuff through experience. Mm -hmm. And we got kids, mm -hmm. boys, baby mamas. We didn't been in trouble in the NBA. And right. it's like, it's, it's, it's not really much you can miss us with. And we wear our emotions on our sleeve. And right. if even if it embarrassed me, that I feel like if I tell you this story, that it'll, it'll avoid you from going down the same road. Right. To do that. Of course. Of course. That's what's up. So, hey, much respect to y'all. Keep doing what you're doing. Much respect to you. I'm going to have Matt on this as well. Matt Barnes is going to be here. So both of y'all are going to be a part of my next book um, because I want to elevate the voices that, that, that we all have as athletes and also be able to, um, you know, push this along because we're, we're trying to, we're, it's, it's interesting, this whole stay in our lane thing or, you know, shut up and dribble type of thing or like we're not able to speak on certain topics. We, cr our generation is crushing that. Yeah. I mean, the, the, now the generation before us, back in the 90s, they was a little quiet for a little while. You had, you know, Mahmoud and you had, you know what I mean, like Craig Hodges. But other than that, they, people were kind of quiet. Our generation is different now, and it's beautiful to see. So I just want to tell you, much respect to you. Keep doing what you're doing, and thanks for being a part of the rematch. Thanks for being a part of my book, and you know what I'm saying? Much respect to you. Man, my, it's, it's an honor to be a part of your book, man. I, I couldn't wait to get on the show, man. Let me say this before I finish. Um, to Ben Crump, I might not agree with a lot of things, but I've been praying hard that he has a great case, and he wins this case for my brother. He has my support, and uh, I think at the end of the day, one thing about me and Matt show, we know how to disagree with people without. Mm -hmm. That's so, right. It has my support in this case. You know what I'm saying? And, and I, I'm, I'm praying that everything works out also for him and also for the family. That's what's up. That's what's up. Thank you for listening to The Rematch. You can find more episodes on basketballnews.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review. You can also find my articles on basketballnews.com, along with exclusive content from Kenyon Martin, Vinny Del Negro, James Posey, and more. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at AtonThomas36. Let me know what you thought of this episode and who you'd like to see as a guest. I would love your feedback.